1: Well, welcome to part two of the Lords Cricket Podcast with Kumar Sangakkara. If you haven't listened to part one, I'd advise going and doing that now. It's all about his childhood, growing up in Sri Lanka, how he got into the game and finally how he got into the Sri Lanka test side. It's worth a listen to and it sets it up nicely for this episode. However, this episode does make sense on its own. This is the story of Kumar Sangakkara coming to Lords in 2014 and finally getting his name on that famous Lords Honours Board.
2: I hope you enjoy it. And then when I got into the 90s and Mahalo was there with me <laughs> and I was thinking, who is going to bowl here? And then I saw Joe Root come on. That was when I was smiling. I was like, ha. You're listening to the Lords Cricket Podcast
1: with me, Will Rowe. These are the stories from the home of cricket, with the people that made them. In 2002, having played 20 test matches and averaging 53, Kumar Sangakkara came to England for the first time in his career. The first test
2: of that series was at Lord's. I remember coming to England the first time uh, and and being hosted, I think, for a lunch uh, by the committee, uh, MCC committee at Lord's um and just that was the first time I ever experienced it, so seeing the um, the all the portraits and the other paintings, feeling the the sense of history in the place was was unbelievable. Um, I remember being there and actually thinking to myself you know, you know, I mean, at that stage, you want to get runs everywhere. Yeah. Lords was the same as any other ground. <laughs> uh, I think the significance of, of getting 100 Lords increased only with time uh, <clears throat> when, you, when you realize that you haven't got 100 there and how much other players talk about being on the honours board and what a special thing that is that, that really motivates you and drives you. Um, so the first time I didn't have much success I think um, uh, I think I scored 12 or 13 in the first innings it was about 12 or something not out in the second you got 10 and 6 not out ah, in 10 2002
1: and six. <laughs> yeah we got 10 and
2: 6 uh, 6 not out in yeah. the in the second uh, in the first in the second innings um, I think uh, Mavan Adapatha scored 100 Mahila Jawadar scored 100 Ravinda fell short of a 100 yeah <laughs> so um was that your first time playing at Lords? That, that was my first time playing at Lords. The first time playing in England, I think. Uh, played some side games, yeah. uh, all of that. I remember facing uh, Simon Jones for the first time in, uh, in, in playing against Glamorgan. Right. I thought it was a spinner. He bowled off about five yards <laughs> and marked his run up, and I thought, "Oh, that's interesting. A spinner <laughs> so quickly." <laughs> <laughs> then he bowled at 145, I think. Um, um, it is a great tour. There's a huge learning curve for me because. Um, coming to England, uh, I was sold a dummy by a lot of the other players, the, the older players who had come and played here, you know, in the in the 80s, 90s. Um, I knew quite a few of them, and all they said was play straight, and that was probably the, the worst <laughs> advice I've ever got in England, and it took me a few years to work out exactly what was going to work and what was not going to work, and playing straight is the last thing you want to do in England, because if you want to play late... Uh, unless the ball is really pitched up to you, that means you know it's the hardest thing to do is play straight, and you're always playing against the line. So <laughs> that was that was something I had to work out on my own quite, um, which was interesting. Um, so uh, yeah, I missed out um, on my first tour here, but I think the real significance of Lords was was at the back end of my career, especially coming here on my last tour. That was when the pressure was really on.
1: In the summer of 2014, Kumar arrives in England with unfinished business. His previous three tests at Lord's had all resulted in draws for Sri Lanka, but on a personal note, no hundred for a player who was now considered a great of the game. Speculation was rife that retirement was soon to come, and this was last chance saloon for Kumar to get his name on the famous Lord's Honours
2: Boards. When you take the timelines of how often we come to England. That It was obviously any, anyone would know that would be probably 99% sure that that was the last series. Um, so from day one of the series, it's a lot about, are you gonna get 100 at Laws? Are you gonna get 100 at Laws? All the questions from the press, everything. So. I, I bit my tongue and I lied and said, "Nah, no, it's just another 100 if I get it, it's great. If I don't, it's, oh, it's all right, you know, I had a good career. Da, da, da. But inside I was like, you know, I really wanted to get that get that 100. But I was going to kind of be dismissive about it, in, just in case I failed to get it. Uh, uh, but, yeah, that was definitely my main objective. Win a series if I can in my last And if I can do it with also getting 100 at Lords, just absolutely perfect. So I uh, tried to get into a county to play a few games. Durham very kindly allowed me to come and play two games for them. Um, I made my debut with a duck, I remember, against Yorkshire. Uh, Got some runs in the second uh, against Sussex. Had a good amount of practice in the nets worked on my technique a bit and understanding you know I've now understood how to play in England from the previous tour when I scored 100 at the Rose Bowl and and, and before so I was ready to make all the adjustments uh, even though it meant I might not even score a run I knew I had to make some technical adjustments and I did all of that That's that's been one of the things I've done throughout my career is continually tinker with my technique to suit whatever the pitch the challenge the bowling attack whatever that was there Um, and I would change things overnight if I thought I had to and it worked for me throughout my career. Um, and it worked for me very well in England. Uh, so I didn't start with not tapping my bat, started with minimizing my back and across movements, um, uh, little adjustment of my stance position, all of these things I did. And it started working. Um, it actually started, I started doing it at Durham. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Lewis, huge amount of throwdowns for me. The The old dog catcher. (laughs) Yes, Uh, he was fantastic. He was really helpful, and it's great to talk to him. Uh, I was watching batsmen like you know Rocky Stoneman, um, Keaton Jennings, all of them bat. So I was looking at them and and learning a few pointers from them. Um, And then, uh, yes, I remember after the Durham, then I uh, then getting into the one-day series, and I think we're very lucky. Uh, and I, I would tell any touring side to do this, first, play the one-day's first. Make sure you play the one-day's first and you get used to the conditions in one-day cricket. It gives you so much more time to settle into a tour rather than just come in here like we always used to do and just play tests first. Mm-hmm. That's that's tough. And we, Sri Lanka always gets the early part of the summer. We never come when the sun's out and the weather's warm. Everything's early. India comes in, you know, in, in July they start test matches. You know, amazing for us if we were able to do that. Um and um, so, um, so sitting in at Lords, I remember coming into Lords and the whole hype. The questions the again the same thing. You know, I had just scored hundred in in the one-day series at Lords, which was which was really nice to nice to do.
3: Sangakara pulls, and he's going to get one. And he'll turn for his hundred. An absolutely fantastic batting display. Touch, power, placement, skill. And he takes his helmet off, salutes his dressing room and the full 360 degrees of the stands here at Lords. Gets a, a hug and a handshake from Jaya Warden at the other end. A superb 100. It's lit up one of the great stages. Spring sunshine at Lords and Sangakara has batted fantastically for a 100 but out.
2: And in a winning effort, although Joss Butler and Bopara tried very hard to get England over the line. Um, so we won the one-day series. We won the the, 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 the one-and-only T20 at the Oval. So we're in a pretty good frame of mind coming into the Test Series, although we knew it was going to be tough. And England, Joe Root scored a double hundred, I think. Yeah, so
1: the, the story of the game is England bat first, um, 575 for nine yeah. um, declared, and then, yeah, Joe Root scores that... Um, yeah, 200. And, um, and then you had out uh, 54 for one. Karuna Ratna is out.
2: Yeah, so Karuna Ratna then... yeah, so, uh, got out, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things that really helped me through that two-test series was the fact that our openers battered for a long time. They actually mm-hmm. got rid of Jimmy Anderson and so first spells for me, I think. Um, it just helped, th- I think, by some poor England catching as well in the slips. But that was a huge plus for me coming in at number three that, you know, it was not the Premier 2 bowlers bowling to me first up, But I was still sitting up in the dressing room, waiting to go out to bat. And I was just thinking how, how how funny and ironic would it be that I want to score 100. Although I haven't said it, or I haven't shown it. Everyone knows I want to score 100. Imagine I go out there and get out first ball. You know? <laughs> this is actually running through my head up in the dressing room. And it, it happens. I always know that, you know, you always worry about so many things sitting up in the dressing room, but you cross the boundary line walking into bat, you take your, your stance. It's amazing how habit uh, and conditioning kick in because you just tend to focus just on what's happening. And I remember that day sitting up there and I was just, Jordan, Chris Jordan was bowling from the pavilion end. And I was looking at him bowling and I thought, oh, the way he's bowling, first ball to me would be really full. Maybe leg stump line. And I just saw it, I just visualized just flicking it through mid wicket for four and I remember going in there. I remember my first scoring shot from Jordan, I think maybe the first ball, maybe the second I can't remember, but it was exactly how I'd seen it in my head. Really full. Um, at the stumps and me flicking it through through midwicket for four. So I was about thirty or not out going going off the ground in a in day's play I remember going going back to the, the hotel and we went for dinner uh, my wife and I uh, with my manager Charlie Austin uh, and a couple of our other friends uh, I went to this lovely little restaurant uh, in Mayfair I still remember it um, and we had a lovely dinner a few glasses of wine and spoke about everything other than cricket nothing about tomorrow or the hundred or what nothing just had a great chat <laughs> uh, I saw one of my uh, old friends there as well uh, had a had a wonderful dinner came back to the hotel uh, and I remember just, just complete sleeping like a baby didn't even think about the next day for some reason I was just so relaxed and I just walked in the next day went to the nursery had a few throwdowns came back in I remember. The only false shot I played in that innings might have been a little inside edge of, of Jimmy Anderson at some point.
0: Anderson hides the ball as he runs in. That's on the leg stump, though. Easily picked off. Huge gap out there. the drawback, of course. And Sangakara's going to go to 50. He's done it. And as Andrew Torres, that means he's a joint world record holder. Yep. Tremendous effort, this. And he's waving his bat. And if the crowd realise what he's done here, tell them, Andrew... Well, seven consecutive Test fifties, equals the record with Everton Weeks, Andy Flower, and Shiv
2: But I just couldn't, couldn't put a foot wrong. And then when I got into the nineties, and Mahila was there with me, <laughs> and I was thinking, who is going to bowl here? And then I saw Joe Root come on. That was when I was smiling. I was like, ha, that's mind this games. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You know, <laughs> thank you, Joe Root, trying to uh, you know bowling at me, and I said, I thought, yeah, this is this is where I'm going to get my hundred now. I was 99. I can't remember when. So yeah, huge sigh of relief and, and a lot of joy when I, when I managed to cover drive in for four. Root again, Oh
3: Sangakkara takes it on and gets it. A flashing off drive through extra cover on the up, a huge celebration for Kumar Sangakkara oh. and a running high tackle, a neck <laughs> tackle from Jared Wardner, a yellow card in a rugby international. And now he's taking his helmet off Kumar Sangakkara, saluting the crowd. A real sense of joy for him. I've not seen him celebrate more extravagantly than that. Well, 103 was... not out.
0: Great knock, to Sangakkara.
2: Well, it was. It was I, I've
0: seldom seen such an inevitable feeling 100, actually, once he got in last night. But that was an
2: amazing celebration, not least for Sangakkara, but also the unrestrained, sort of almost quite dangerous leap that Jai oh. Wardener made. He sort of leapt on him, footballer style.
1: And Mahela comes and jumps on you from, it. it almost knocks you over. Actually, I mean, he was almost more happy for you than you were. It seemed it was. It, it's wonderful to see a, a sort of true, genuine friendship in the game.
2: Yeah, it, it was. I mean, he knew how much I wanted that hundred. He knew how much I've, I've, you know, we've probably spoken to him about it as well. He's done it twice at, at, at Lords. Uh, Dilshan's got 190, missed out a magnificent, what would have been one of the best knocks I've seen at Lords. T.M. Dilshan's 192. Mahaila's scoring 100, amazing 100 under pressure in 2006 to save a game. So I've seen all of this happen and I wanted to be a part of them, part of the, on the board. So he knew how much I wanted it. And that was one of the things about Sri Lankan cricket for a long time, um, especially after 2000 and 2001, where the culture was a lot about everyone celebrating each other's success, Mm. uh, which might I mean, not have been the case, I don't know. I wasn't party to what happened or privy to what happened before. But we made a conscious effort, especially even after 2004, uh, 2005, when Mahila took over as well, to make sure that everyone was on the same page. We'd rather score a duck in a, in a winning cause rather than get 100 uh, in, in a losing cause. And anyone who succeeded, we celebrated. So uh, so Mahalo was was, yeah, definitely, he was over the moon as well, you know, he knew how much that meant to to me. And that, that shot, you were 99, not out. Um,
1: I watched the tape back the other day. It was a little bit uppish. Was there a moment where you
2: thought, oh, Anderson might dive and catch this? Uh, or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The moment I hit it, I knew it was in the air, but I, 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 just, I just knew it was four. Because yeah. by the time Anderson got across it, I think it actually passed him and hit it pretty well. Um, I remember Moeen Ali coming on when I was in the 70s and I, I, was, I had made up my mind if a spinner comes on I'm actually going to try and take a few boundaries off him which I did um, so I managed my innings also quite well the periods of acceleration and deceleration I managed really well didn't try to over hit a lot of the balls um, so it, it worked really well for me um, and then to, to get a draw you know, mm. I had probably a great opportunity to get uh, second 100 at Lord's in my 60s when I got out in the second innings. Uh, but that was the farthest thing at, from my mind at that moment is about trying to get a draw. Um, so I went a bit negative and maybe that's what cost me my wicket. But um, also Jimmy Anderson was bowling pretty well, reversing the ball a bit. Um, but that last... I mean, he, I was more excited at the draw probably almost as much as my 100 because we we, we were... We were we had nowhere to go, really. And then that review, when the LBW was given with our last man out in the last hour of the game, playing with the lights on. Yeah, dramatic. Absolutely <laughs> dramatic. And then the last ball being nicked. A foot short, or a six-inch short of, of Chris Jordan had slipped. And it was almost as if we had won the game.
0: 201 for nine. Slip cord and absolutely packed as Broad runs in to bowl the last ball of the match. England needs this to be a wicket. He bowls and oh. it run down into the slips. Oh. And it's oh. all hands on heads and Stuart Broad is on his knees. It didn't carry the Jordan at slip. It went quickly. The edge was found but didn't go to hand. And England are inches away. Inches away from having won this first Test match. What a finish. What a finish. He got so far forward to that last ball; it ran off the edge, landing in front of Slip. And there you go. Sri Lanka can breathe. What a finish to the match!
2: And then the second game was almost as dramatic because it was a very attritional series. Um, I think the England bowlers were trying the hardest to 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 win games for England. There were a few things that were said. Um, um, We were determined uh, to try and and beat England again, Mm. the last opportunity in England to to win the series. We'd already won the other two, the T20 and the the one day this was icing on the cake. Uh, Angelo Matthews, you know, amazing 100 that he got as well. You know, everyone talked about my 100, but the way Angelo Matthews came in and just batted so beautifully to get his 100 at Laws was was incredible. and then I, I think the second test was, was even better than than, than the Lord's <laughs> test, up in Headingley, just getting out there, falling behind Angelo Matthews, a magnificent hundred, and then that two balls to spare, I think, wasn't it? Or oh, a ball to spare. It was the last over, yeah, it last went down to the final over, over Jimmy and Anderson. And the, and the bumper and <laughs> Jimmy Anderson um, to get him out. It was just this incredible, surreal series where everything seemed to go right for us.
0: Two balls to go. Aranga on his way from the far end. Runs in bowls to Anderson. It's short. He's fended it away. And he's caught. He's caught at backward square leg from the penultimate delivery of the match. And he sinks to his knees as the Sri Lankans who thought that game had gone are climbing on top of each other to celebrate an historic victory. Anderson has sunk to his knees. Moeen has come down to say, hey. It actually wasn't a bad ball. But Anderson looks broken, absolutely broken. And Mawin is wandering up, I think, to go and shake the Sri Lankans by the hand.
2: It's a great way to finish my, my cricket in England uh, for, for Sri Lanka. And to kind of put a full stop as to my ambitions in England. Yeah. You know, get 100 Ed Lords, <laughs> win a series, all done. Yeah. So it was like, like a fairytale ending. Um, for my career and, and for my journeys to England And
1: the big question about that series which I'm sure you've been asked many a time what was with that helmet? You didn't have a badge on the <laughs> <laughs> still, It still just looked a bit weird you walked out just with a plain helmet
2: Yeah, <laughs> that happens to me at times I, I tend to forget, put, forget things a lot so I've gone through my career First of all, when I started, I used to watch all the senior players take their bats back to the, uh, back to the hotel with them, the bat they were batting with. I used to take mine and then come back to the ground and I, I think, leaving it back in the hotel. So I've had my liaison officer go back so many times to bring the bat back <laughs> to the ground. So then I said, that, forget it. I'm not going to take my bat back. I'm just going to leave it in the dressing room. So things, little things like putting a, you know, badge on your helmet, all of these things. Sometimes you know. It, 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 it just escapes me and I think I would have probably ordered that helmet in and got it and I just thought oh, I'll just i just wear it straight away uh, I remember in, in New Zealand my last tour to New Zealand um, I had a couple of failures in the first test then went to Wellington and there's a there's Marty Graham in New Zealand who used to make bats Um and he's he's made a few bats for me in the past, so he came had a chat to me, and he showed me a few new bats, and he had this bat in the back of his <clears throat> car. I said, oh, "What's that?" He said, "Oh, that's the one I use. I just played a game with it." <clears throat> so I said, "Oh, let me have a look." Took it, felt good. I said, "Oh, yeah, well, I'll take it. I've got a test match t- tomorrow in right. two days' time. I said, I'll play with this one, and I'll just give it back to you after the test match." And I <laughs> said, "Are you sure?" He said, yeah, "Yeah, just take it." So I took it in. Um, Put my stickers on it, uh, and that—that's a game. I scored a double hundred against New Zealand. I just finished with that bat and handed the bat back to him after that game. I said thank you. Um, so i so <laughs> some of the times I just you know little details like you know getting a badge on yeah. it. Yeah, you've never been a superstitious cricketer. You've just uh, sort of turned uh, up and played. And yeah, not, never... not really. I used to have a favorite bat. Yeah, when I first started, but then it just became. You know, just pick up whatever bat feels good and play with it. Um, And I remember I had a bat that played that England series with. It felt beautiful in my hands. And I thought it was about 2.8, 2.9 at the most. And I got it weighed for repairs once and it turned out to be 2.12. So it was, you know, it's just that kind of thing. So I concentrated a lot on the feel of the bat and how everything felt when I took a stance or when I trained. If it felt good, that's what I went with. The Lord's 100 of
1: 2014 was probably the last record that Kumar had to tick off in his illustrious career As a player, he broke so many. 12,400 runs in 134 test matches, the fastest batsman to 8, 9, 11 and 12,000 test runs. Only Kumar and Graham Gooch have managed a triple century and 100 in the same tests, and he is the second highest run scorer across all formats, behind the one and only Sachin Tendulkar. I could go on, but I'm keen to find out if Kumar was driven by records
2: the only thing I really kept record of was test hundreds um, that was the only thing that really mattered to me because when I started I wanted to score 20 hundreds I thought that was the benchmark <laughs> and then watching everyone else you know shatter all those uh, you know the 30 hundred mark then the 40 and starting getting up to 50 49 50 all 51 yeah. yeah he's
1: got 100 tests he's got 100 hundreds but it's yeah, 51 49 I forget yeah. which way around
2: but yeah, yeah. so um so then I, then I really wanted to kind of shift the goalpost, 20 to 25, 25 to 30, 30 to 35. Um, um, so those were important to me. Um, I knew I wanted to get 10,000 runs. That's a, that's a, that's a given. I, I thought that was what a test player, that's your ambition if you start te- mm-hmm. test cricket and you're serious test cricket, you want to get 10,000 runs. I wanted to win test series away from home. I wanted to win a test series in, in Australia. Couldn't do that. Uh, win a Test series in South Africa couldn't do that, but those are all other ambitions that I had. Um, so you did have the, you were driven by records, uh, and driven yeah. by certain certain records, yeah. not not everything. Um, uh, you know, when I was retiring, some of the questions were, that were asked were, well, "You're one double hundred away from equaling the Don for double hundreds. For yeah. Uh, if you play another two years, you could get to fifteen thousand runs and and beat Sachin's record. Or another three years, but by that time, I was very secure and confident in in myself, what I'd done, what I've achieved. And looking at where the side was as well, and my role in the side, if it was purely for records, then I think that was when I realized, well, maybe it's definitely time to go and time to stop playing. Because if my only motivation with the side I was in at that time was to score 15,000 runs and beat Sachin's record, that was probably not the best way to end a career chasing records so that's when I decided really that it was time to go I was the only along with of the the last dinosaur left <laughs> in the side and sometimes you become part of the problem as well when you yeah. play it so long and everyone else is young and vibrant and you are from the old guard and you know so it's time to actually free up space and leave so I'd already made my plans with Sari and Graham Ford to come and play so it was a very easy addition I think I left it Three to four test matches too late before I retire because my my idea was to retire from the Pakistan test and I'd already made up my mind to make an announcement when I got a call from from Mahaila saying oh I'm going to announce my retirement tomorrow and I said oh, oh there you go so I can't <laughs> announce mine can I now so Did, but you to announce your T20 and ODI retirement to same. yeah end. that was much easier yeah. <laughs> but I was going to make the announcement the next day and was already. You know, talking to my manager and all of that and then he said oh Myla's doing it and he, Myla spoke to me and I was like well okay you do it and I actually I, was actually, I had made up my mind to quietly retire after that series Right. Um, so I didn't make an announcement Mahala made his announcement we played at the, at the SSC Mahala finished up and I scored a 15 the second innings I think and I was walking off and I actually waved my bat to the ground as, uh, because that to me was the last Test match I was playing in Sri Lanka. Um, I was playing the World Cup, one-day series in New Zealand, a uh, Test series in New Zealand. That was going to be it. Um, circumstances changed. Uh, I was coerced a bit to kind of extend for for two more series, which I think was not ideal but I kept my word um, and I played the and finished off against India, but yeah, that is was also quite funny uh, both Mahal and I actually deciding independently without discussion to call it quits against Pakistan. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you could have been like, dude, give me a heads up with your WhatsApp or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and and j- just to finish on uh, Kumar, there's as far as I can see there's been no book yet when, when's the autobiography coming out uh,
2: never I think never uh, yeah. you're not I, tempted to write one I'm not sure I'm not sure what, I was, what I'm going to write um, but it's got to be a book uh, of, of, of maybe not, not cricket of, of things related to cricket and, and life in general maybe but no steady or ready thoughts for a book is there Fair enough, and and the, and the
1: final one is you were offered the uh, the chance to become a High Commissioner. There's a, there's no future in politics. You,
2: uh, no, not no, 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 <laughs> at the moment. No, uh, yeah, it was a gra- very gracious offer, but uh, I think I was completely unsuitable and unsuited for that job. And there were many other people who had done it better so I politely
1: refused well thank you very much for talking to me today and going down memory lane on one of the most iconic moments in recent years at Lord's Cricket Ground thank you very much,
0: it's been a pleasure let's yeah. just say cheerio to yes. Sangakara. he'll be up at Headingley of course on Friday but we won't see him here again and uh, well he's got a wonderful hundred in the first innings frankly he looked nailed on for one here in the second but it's not to be
1: Well, you've been listening to the Lord's Cricket Podcast with me, Will Rowe, and that was Kumar Sangakara on his famous 100 at Lord's in 2014. It was an absolute privilege to sit down with Kumar and chat cricket, chat about his career, and also discuss getting on the honours board. It was nice how refreshingly honest he was that he really did want to do that. Often you chat to cricketers and they say, well, you know... Individual performance is important, but it's all about the team. But Kumar was pretty honest there. It was definitely something he wanted to tick off. I think if he hadn't got on the honours board here at Lords, he would have felt pretty unfulfilled um, in that specific record. I mean, he achieved so much in the game and is one of the true greats. Also, thanks to Kumar, he was so generous with his time. I really do appreciate that. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe, rate the podcast and spread the message. You can do that on all the usual podcast providers. It's great if you can do that. The more people that rate it and subscribe, the higher up the charts we can go. Um, you can also get in touch with the show, give me some feedback, uh, email me at podcast at mcc.org.uk or tweet us at home of cricket, or to me directly my Twitter handle is at willrow2. Also a big thanks to the bbc and ecb for those commentary clips you heard there they really do help bring the stories to life uh, to life even well right next week's podcast is with darren goff the dazzler it was an absolute pleasure to sit down with one of my childhood heroes he who's on great form as you'd expect and we recorded the podcast in the home dressing room, which made it extra special, um, a place that he knew so well during the 90s. Uh, Lord's is actually a place that Goffey spent a lot of time during his career, and there were some pretty key uh, milestones for him, actually. Doing the research, I didn't realise, you know, Goff's county debut was here at Lord's. His second test match against South Africa was at Lord's. Um, His final test match was here, a rather sorry state of affairs for Goff as he walked off wicketless um, against South Africa in 2003, having been smashed to all parts by Graham Smith. And of course, he did get on the Lords Honours Boards, which we do chat about. So that's Darren Goff. He's next week's guest. And once again, thank you very much for listening to the Lords Cricket Podcast.